Welcome to episode 42 of You Are Not A Frog. What will you stop, start or continue after lockdown? Welcome to You Are Not A Frog, the podcast for GPs, doctors and other busy professionals in high stress jobs. Even before the coronavirus crisis, many of us were feeling stressed and one crisis away from not coping. We felt like frogs in boiling water, overwhelmed and exhausted. But this has crept up on us slowly, so we hardly noticed the extra long days becoming the norm. And let's face it, frogs generally only have two choices. Stay and be boiled alive or jump out of the pan and leave. But you are not a frog. And that's where this podcast comes in. You have many more options than you think you do. It is possible to be master of your own destiny and to craft your life so that you can thrive even in the most difficult of circumstances. I'm your host, Dr. Rachel Morris, GP, turned executive coach and specialist in resilience at work. I work with doctors and other organisations all over the country to help professionals and their teams beat stress and take control of their work. I'll be talking to friends, colleagues and experts, all who have an interesting take on this, so that together we can take back control to survive and thrive in our work and lives. Are you constantly stressed and thinking about work? Does your laptop come with you on holiday? Your to-do list have permanent residence in your brain and your worry about how to handle the latest crisis wake you up in the small hours. Then it's time to get your life back and that's exactly what our brand new online course will help you do. It's a 60-minute reset for healthcare professionals to shift your mindset so you can set boundaries and limits around your work without the endless guilt that you've not done enough. It's just £27 and you can get instant access now when you go to shapestoolkit.com slash get your life back. This is another episode of Ask the Frog. I'm talking to Dr. Jamie Wiley, who is a GP in Great Yarmouth and one of my fellow Lead Manage Thrive Red Whale course presenters. We talk about lockdown. What effect has it had on us? What do we want to stop doing? But what do we want to start doing after lockdown? What things have we actually appreciated? What things have we really not appreciated? And what have we learned? At the end of the episode, you can download a stop, start, continue checklist. The links are in the show notes. So just have a think to yourself. Actually, what is it that you want to do? What could you do differently? I hope you enjoy the episode. Here it is. It's brilliant to have with me back on the podcast today, Dr. Jamie Wiley. Jamie's a GP in Great Yarmouth and a Lead Manage Thrive presenter. Jamie, what other roles do you have in life? Oh, well, you know, the usual stuff. Husband, father of a teenage boy. Cook, I, I do some leader. leading in my local church. I play guitar. Yeah, that sort of stuff. Loads of different things. Brilliant. And Jamie has been on the podcast a couple of times now for our Ask the Frog episodes. And I thought it was high time that we got Jamie back on the podcast. It's really brilliant to have you back. How has lockdown been for you, Jamie? Briefly. (laughs) (laughs) We will be talking about this more, but you know, how are you today? The honest answer or the not so honest answer? We like honesty. Lockdown's been really rough, hasn't it? I mean, it's been really hard on all sorts of levels and in all sorts of different ways. Yeah, there's always stuff to be grateful for. There's, you know, the weather has been remarkable and that's been an enormous blessing. I I think it's it's very easy to kind of, uh, that's a ridiculous British thing to say, isn't it? Oh, you know, the weather. But actually, imagine going through lockdown if it had been drizzling the whole time. Would that not have just been hell? It's made so much difference. And I do, there was a week where it wasn't very good. There was a week where it was cold and rainy. And I think every collective mood of the nation just plummeted, didn't it? So I think... It has been one thing that has been great, although saying that today, this is, I think, going to be the hottest day of the year and I'm melting in my office. 
so, yeah. whew, really hot, but you know, we're, uh, you know, needs must. I'm supposed to be going for a run after this, and I just don't think it's going to happen. I think I might be going for an ice cream instead. Yes, yes. I was going to do a bike ride, but that's going to be much later on today, most definitely. So we have another question that I thought we would look at today, and that is this, Jamie. Are you ready? Are you ready? Here's the question. Let's do it. So, dear, you are not a frog. During lockdown, things have been difficult, to say the least. There's some aspects I have really, really struggled with. But I have to say there are some aspects that actually I really like about lockdown. One thing I've noticed is that my stress levels seem to be a lot lower than normal around certain things and then a lot higher than normal around other things. And I certainly don't miss the long commute I used to do. My question is, as we come out of lockdown, how do I make sure that the things that I enjoyed about lockdown continue and I don't lose that feeling that I have now of life being a lot simpler? So that's our question for today. How do we keep hold of the things that have been good during lockdown? And I guess I'm going to add in another thing about how do we then lose the things that we know we really, really hated? about lockdown mm. and yep. and one of the the things that's been helpful for me is the stop start continue framework which is a really sort of simple way of looking at things and I know that a lot of businesses will use these in, in reviews of projects and uh, reviews of what's going on and lots of practices partnerships may use this as well to sort of look at things and decide what about what we're doing is is helpful here what's not so helpful and what do we need to do differently so should we have a think about lockdown in those sorts of ways, in the hope that, yeah. you know, any listeners who have been thinking the same thing, it might be helpful to. So let's start with stop. <laughs> there are loads of things I can, I really want to stop. What about you, Jamie? What could you gladly lose and never have to do again from lockdown? So this, this is going to sound slightly odd, given that here we are on a video call, but I would happily trade all the video calls in the world for the chance to sit together and have a glass of wine and just matter. So I think for me, one of the things that's been really difficult has been that loss of face-to-face -face personal interaction. I think it's thinned out some of our relationships, relationships at work have become more difficult because it's been much harder to communicate. We've lost the corridor conversations that are kind of the, they're like the, the oil in the engine, aren't they? That just keeps things, keeps things moving. We've lost some of the, the coffee time interactions where you just have that opportunity to meet and be together as, as humans. Um, and so it's all become very businesslike and very kind of work focused. And that thins out the relationships and makes, makes it harder to work well together, I think. So, yeah, I think although I'm sort of I, I'm borrowing little bits from what we're going to come on to already, aren't I? Because there are aspects of it that have been enormously helpful and we, we should recognise that. But yeah, I've got to be honest, I'd trade it all for a beer down the pub. Oh, gosh, yeah, me too. I think that's a really interesting observation about the these informal interactions that we have with people at work are the oil in the engine, aren't they? And, you know, I think people are starting to find now with, you know, extended lockdown that tensions are fraying quite a bit. And mm. we're having to do a lot of communication via email or on virtual meetings but you're right, it's not the same. Say if you've had maybe a slight difference of opinion with, with somebody, if you then see them around the coffee machine, you can have a bit of a chat. Yes. That, even if you say nothing about the conversation you've just had that was a bit tricky, the fact that you're having a friendly chat just sort of shows each other that, that there's no harm intended. We're still, 
we can still get on, you know, we still care about each other. That's all right. But you, you just, there's just nowhere to get that at the moment, is there? It acts almost, those interactions act almost as, as relational resets, don't they? They mm. give you an opportunity to go, oh yeah, he's not a total idiot. Actually, I, I quite like this about him or, you know, yeah, we, we had a good conversation about that. You feel warmer to, towards the person. It just, it, it, it sort of resets it. And I think the, you know, it's that interesting dynamic of, of managing video meetings and, and remote meetings. We have to manage ourselves in them. So there isn't that opportunity for banter and chat and natter. And so we're self-censoring. And so you don't have those interactions because they don't work so well. And, and it then becomes, everything becomes a much bigger deal. It's, if you need to say sorry to someone for having lost your temper, it then becomes quite a big thing that, you know, oh goodness, I'm gonna to have to say it on the, on the Zoom and, you know, or I'm gonna to have to send a message, I'm gonna to have to do a specific, everything becomes bigger. So yeah, it's, it's interesting, I was talking to, to a very close friend from church who was reflecting, and I think he's absolutely right, it's been my experience as well, that there are aspects of lockdown which feel like they've amplified the bits of me which I detest, which I would happily be free of, and actually in ways that I don't really even fully understand, seem to have minimised the bits of me that I would like to think are the best parts of me. Uh, and, you know, it's really interesting in early lockdown watching people and realising how judgy I was in my own head. You know, what are they doing now? What are they doing that for? What are they doing that, you know? And, you know, just going around the supermarket and, and judging other people. And you just think, hang on, that's not, that's not who you think you are, Jamie. That's not who you're called to be. And yet there I am having all that stuff going on in my head. So, yeah, I think, I think you're right. That sense that relationships have become harder because we can't just be together. And that's, that's hard at work as well as socially. Yeah. And when we talk about, and on the Lead Managed Thrive course, we talk about building up trust within teams. And unless you have a lot of trust there, it's then very difficult to have good conflicts and have disagreements. And building trust is so important. And there is no shortcut to trust, as we've, mm. we've found out. Yeah, believe me, I've looked into this. You know, how can a team build trust really quickly? Well, actually, you've got to spend time with each other. And you've got yes. to get to know each other and you know, know about what people are doing outside of work and know about their families and the issues that they, they might be experiencing. And this is not to say you have to be best mates or socialise or anything like that. But the more you understand a person where they're coming from, the more trust, the more empathy there is, and the better it is. But with Zoom conversations and Zoom meetings, there's very little time for that personal in interaction. Um, probably quite rightly, because actually what we want to do is limit the amount of you know time we have to spend in these these virtual meetings. But what we've limited is the stuff that oils that oils the relationships and just helps us knock along a little bit. Smoothly. Social social lubrication almost. Yeah, there's a, I, I don't even know who said it, but there's that phrase, isn't it, that, that trust arrives on foot and leaves on horseback. And it feels like some of the interactions that we're having to have have opened the door wider to the loss of trust. And like you say, have, have made it harder to rebuild. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting observation, the way in which uh, relationships have been strained by or put under strain even if not strained but but there's just it's hard work isn't it yeah and I think that is also undermined by that other thing that you said like you've been walking around going oh those people they're so you know why are they doing that and being a bit judgy and I think we've all I've certainly noticed myself becoming a bit judgy of other people and there's that other thing about 
with other people, I think the greatest kindness we can do for someone in lockdown is assume good intention. Yes. So assume that that snappy email that they sent to us or that, you know, terse reply we got on the virtual meeting was because maybe something was going on for them in the background. It's nothing to do with us. And that they didn't mean to do it and they actually meant to be helpful, etc., etc. It's very hard to assume good intention, I think, particularly maybe with one's nearest and dearest who you're actually living with. <laughs> so funny. Well, most evenings I try to sort of go for a walk around the park just outside my house and, you know, there have been a few evenings and me and my, my other half, we've been walking around and, you know, we've been sort of having a, let's call it a robust conversation. Anyway, <laughs> I was out last night with my two daughters um, and there's this couple about the same age as me walking towards us. And then suddenly they stopped, had some words, and then they both stormed off in the other direction, <laughs> in opposite directions to each other. We were sort of sat there <laughs> sniggering a bit. But... <laughs> I was only sniggering because I thought, oh, thank, you know, thank goodness it's not just us that have these robust debates yeah. whilst walking around the park. But it is really easy. Just, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, why can't they just give me a break and understand it's difficult for me and understand that actually just being a little bit kind here would be really helpful. And then I'm thinking, well, am I doing that for other people? Am I giving them a break and just assuming that actually, assuming good, assuming they meant well, but maybe it didn't quite come out like that. I think that's very, those are, those are really wise words. Thank you for those. I'll bank them for the day. But I think, I think that's, that's really true. And I think also that, that thing that you mentioned about personalizing, about taking stuff personally, it's really easy to think, well, I sent an email three weeks ago and now I've received this email and maybe there hasn't been much communication with that individual in between. And therefore you align those two data points and you say, this is about that. Mm. And maybe it's not, I mean, maybe it is, but maybe it's not. Maybe actually there's been other stuff going on in between for that person that I haven't noticed and, or haven't been aware of in any way. And that actually this is not about that. So that temptation to line up the two data points and say, they've done this because I did that. We've no idea what's gone on in the intervening two weeks. Yeah. So yeah. So it's about the story that you're telling yourself in your head that they've they've done that because this is the story, and actually interrogating the truth is often quite helpful. Sometimes just I don't know. Sometimes you actually need to go and have a conversation with that person. And go, oh, I, you know, when you said this, I was wondering if this is what you meant. Have I got it right or have I got it wrong? Or sometimes it's just ignoring it and going, allowances, you know, lockdown allowances. Just let them. You know, that's fine. I, I, I can take it. It's just my, maybe it's my pride or something. I, I like to be thought of nicely and maybe they're not. Or oh, who, who knows? I can leave it. I don't know. You don't, need, you don't want to leave issues to fest for too long. But there are, I think some of this is a bit like, it was a bit toddler taming when my kids were younger. Have you read toddler taming? Christopher Green. Is I still good? recommend it to patients. Yes. Brilliant. The whole one about pick your battles. You know, sometimes just leave it. And forget about it and, and don't fuse with those thoughts you're having about, oh, aren't they awful or whatever, and you can just leave it. I don't know. Yeah, I think that, yeah, and giving people permission to be themselves and perhaps, like I said, that, that lockdown sense that it's almost made us caricatures of ourselves yeah. and that ability to go, it's just Jamie being Jamie, take a deep breath, you know, tomorrow I'll be glad he's there, but today he's just being himself and he's getting under my nails. Deep breaths. Let it go. So are there anything, any other aspects that you... Sorry? 
Let it go. Let it. I'm not, I'm not going to sing. You nearly got me singing. <laughs> I, 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 oh, I thought I might just be able to suck you into going for it oh, there. Oh, I nearly did. I nearly did. <laughs> no one wants to hear me singing on the podcast, believe me. <laughs> Although if you do, you know, write in. I could do yeah, it. Yeah, write in. <laughs> yes, yeah, that would be a really dull episode, let me tell you. Right, what else do you want to stop out of lockdown? Okay. So, yeah, this is going to come oddly from someone who's written chapters in the handbook about change and who's, uh, you know, I want to stop the change. Uh, And specifically, I think there are two things that I would like to stop. And one is the rapid evolution of guidance and guideline. The sense that every week uh, before you before you start the week, the Sunday evening task is to get on top of the, how things have changed so that you're ready for the questions on Monday or ready to apply it to the situation on Monday or ready to deal with the staff on Monday or whatever it happens to be. And so that sense of rapidly evolving guidelines that you've got to wrap your head around and, and just the cognitive load that that places on us of needing to be to be up to date with a rapidly evolving situation. Of course, that's cloud cuckoo land. But I think perhaps, why then even say it? Well, I think perhaps just to recognize that it is real and that it it is a cognitive load. It's a cognitive burden. And that's partly why we're finding it hard, because it keeps on changing and because everything's different and change is change is hard. Transition is difficult, Bridges would say. And so that whole thing of of just recognizing that the guidelines change and even for crying out loud, even the one-way system around Tesco changes, you know, which aisle you're allowed to walk down in what direction. They change it and you're like, hang on, last week I could do it this way and now I can't. So just that sense of the burden on our thinking and on our being that the constant change causes. But there's a second quite specific example that I'd also pull out. So two for the price of one on this one, which is new IT platforms. <laughs> so, You're not a fan. Well, yes and no. I think, but I think, I think, speaking personally, I am past my saturation point. So we have a new IT platform, a new front end, basically a new a web front end for patients to access us. And I think. So actually, the, the practice have been planning to put that in place for about six months before lockdown hit. And our go live date happened to be uh, pretty much the day that lockdown was, anou- was announced. Uh, you know, t- today is a good day. To, good or bad uh, timing. Good, good timing, I reckon. I think it was, I think it was really good timing yeah. because the patients were like, oh, this is fantastic. Really see why you've yeah. done this. Well done for being on it. You know, it looked like a piece of of astonishingly light-footed response. Uh, Of course, it was in fact something that had been in the works for a long time. So yeah, blowing the gaff on that one. But yeah, so that was that's a platform that was different for patients, but also very different for the staff at every level in the in the practice. Then we had to engage with Zoom, then we've had to engage with Microsoft Teams because of concerns about confidentiality and all that kind of stuff. And we've got a new video consulting software and Others may be using a thing called AQRX that, that we've started to embrace. And then we've also got a platform that we use to communicate and to put up policies and so on. So sort of like a back-end platform, almost like an intranet type thing, except it's not really. So yeah, and adding it all up, it's six or seven new new platforms. He says, holding up eight fingers. Arithmetic, never my strong point. Uh, but yeah, just I think that just that sense of, okay, I think I'm quite IT savvy. I think I'm reasonably good with tech and kit and all that stuff. 
but I've reached my personal saturation point. In mm -hmm. fact, I'm slightly beyond yeah. it. I'm aware now that every time someone says, oh, we could use dot, 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 yeah. my inner voice goes, or, you know, we could not. <laughs> no we more. can make do with what we've got because yeah. I've kind of had enough. So, yeah, just, again, that, that burden of change. Yeah, and I think that's true, you know, whether you're in general practice, whether you're in a hospital, whether you're an accountant, lawyer or working elsewhere, everyone has suddenly had to use all these all these new platforms and things like that and you mm. know I've got so many new logins and this and that and it yeah yeah it's just you know digital is great but you know sometimes it's just too much so stopping the uh, lack of informal interactions which will help with sort of well-oiled relationships stopping the constant change so we've all got a bit change mm. fatigued and that's a that's a thing that's a real thing isn't it which doesn't help and then stopping the <laughs> influx of IT solutions which are all really good but not all, not all at once Okay, let's move on to what you'd like to continue from lockdown, and then we'll finish off what you want to start. So what for you, Janie, has been a, you know, something good? Is there anything good? <laughs> this was hard. Mm. This was a hard one to, to think through. So I'm going to perhaps cheat a little bit and say that one of the things that I would like to see continue is a different societal attitude. So I think this is this is maybe not something that's easy for as an organisation or for me as a uh, as a professional to make happen, but I think we've seen a much more explicit appreciation of service yeah. in terms of appreciation of the NHS, and then seeing people actually go, oh, but hang on, you know, there are people in the care sector who we absolutely rely on who we oh hang on actually when we start to think about who it is we absolutely rely on the guy that drives the articulated lorry without him i got no bogger all. Mm. so you know maybe we should we should be appreciating those who work in the service sectors and i think there's been kind of a maybe a societal narrative a, a hierarchy of value uh, of who we think uh, who we think is valuable in society and I think it's good for us just to take a moment, maybe not to throw all of it out, but just to ask ourselves, does that really line up? Is that what we want to think? Is that how we want to, to value people and also to value the roles that they fulfill? So I think something about value those who serve us and not just doing it in our own heads. Yeah. So I'd like to continue saying thank you. Um, yeah. And I think it, it, I remember the first time I, after, you know, in the inner early long was that grim phase where you'd walk into the supermarket and the shelves were empty. And, you know, going in particularly after long days at work, long, tiring day, quite stressed out, dealing with all the stuff, lots of sick people. And then you walk in. And it's like, you know, it's like the locust descended. <laughs> and not only is there no pasta, but there's no flour. And there's no, you know, not only is there not your favourite pre-processed, you know, tin of whatever, but actually all the basic ingredients that would go together for you to be able to make it yourself have also gone. And, and you're sort of three steps behind. The first time I went back into a supermarket, when things started to get better uh, and they were full, I was just aware of this kind of deep sense of relief of oh it's gonna be okay yeah. there's you know i look back on it now and I think how ridiculous of course it was going to be okay i get it 
you'll push for time. And with over 200 episodes, how do you know which is going to be the one that lifts you out of the saucepan and back to thriving at work? Never fear, the You Are Not A Frog podcast quiz is here. Find out if you're a super squirrel, brilliant badger or mighty mole and I'll send you a personalised playlist with the top five episodes that will make the biggest difference to you. Discover your top of the hops, top five episodes, sorry, and leap into your happiest thriving self again. Just go to youarenotafrog.com slash quiz. But it didn't feel like it. It felt quite scary. And so that sense of everything being okay. And I said to the, to the lady at the checkout, I said, Look, just, I just want to say thank you so much because I really appreciate being in and there being everything and you know, thanks for all you're doing. And she welled up and you're like, ooh, ooh, you know? And I think that sense of who have we been saying thank you to, who haven't we been saying thank you to, who have we been appreciating, who have we not been appreciating? Mm-hmm. That's something we can do inside our own organizations but we can actually do it beyond as well. We can do it out there in, in our daily lives, saying thank you to the yeah, people yeah. who serve us. Yeah, so it's something about remembering to thank people, to be grateful, to you know actually remember that the way we're viewing society now, the way we're viewing what we really value now is actually quite different to what we were valuing before lockdown and certainly I I know people you know just been saying I didn't realize how much I appreciate just seeing my family or just Mm. seeing my friends and and I know that I'm you know wanting all I want to do is just go yeah you're right sit in a in a pub or a bar with my friends and have a drink together you know rather than having to do it on zoom or I'm not actually that bothered about fancy foreign holidays or fast cars or you know even you know I was a bit of a, a shopping addict you know I'm not even bothered about buying a load of clothes I would quite like a haircut <laughs> I would really like a haircut <laughs> but you know actually it's just seeing people it's people and I think we've just re-engaged with how important people are during yeah. the pandemic so you know re-engaging people the thing I'd like to continue is this space I've got in my life there's a lot more space because I'm not having to ferry children around to all their activities in the evening I'm not having to go to stuff myself even though it's stuff that I enjoyed so actually there's a lot more space and time in the day where I can just go and sit on the roof terrace and have a drink or, or walk around the lake or or do this and that and that has I think that feeling of space has, has offered a real feeling of calm I think there was a really interesting quote from a a chap called Dallas Willard, who was a sort of real sort of, sort of spiritual um, guru, really, in, in the Christian tradition. And he, he's an amazing uh, man. Very amazing man. But a, a chap called John Altberg went to see him. He's written a book about this. And he, he was feeling really, really burnt out, really, really stressed, didn't know what he, he needed to do. And he, he went to see Dallas Willard and he said, what must I do? To, you know, to... He was a very busy pastor, you see, and he wasn't really coping with it all. And Dallas Willard said to him, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And I've been reflecting on that. And I think that is the the most stressful time where you are feeling hurried and rushed and going from one thing to another, to another, to another, to another. And certainly in lockdown, for me, that has been, well, work's still been busy, of course, but but actually outside work, that the hurry has gone. And I think that's made me slightly nicer person. (laughs) And you probably ask my children, you know, I think there's aspects of lockdown that have not made me a nicer person, but certainly that <laughs> bit that bit has. Have you found that thing about hurry and, and space in lockdown or not really? 
So brief plug, I don't know whether this is something that you've come across, but that quote is now the title of a book by a pastor from Portland, a guy called John Mark Comer, who's written a number of really good, really accessible books. If you're interested in a slightly more spiritual take on this, um, then uh, he's written a new book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Oh, okay. And it's definitely worth a read. I'll put that Have in the I found that? I, well, I've got to be honest, no. If anything, I've gone the other way. So, so I think I've found the days more pressured and I found that the space that I had, the way my life was set up, was then was eroded by suddenly the fact that so I, I work in the practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday, Friday, I'm at home. But my son is out at school and my wife's out at, at work. She's a, a doctor in our local hospital as well, a consultant. And uh, suddenly, because she was shielding, suddenly she was at home. She was in my space. It's terrible. And my son's in my space as well. And I can't, you know, there's nowhere I can, you know, so you know, we, I bought a, a 25 metre cable because that's about the right social distancing for families, I think, um, to plug into the router so that I could do Zoom calls and this kind of stuff in the back of the house as far away from everybody else as possible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought so, that's like the, the new social distancing rules are now one metre or 25 metres if you've been homeschooling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <Your> close family members. <laughs> Sorry, darling, I'm social distancing. <laughs> so I think some of the some of the pattern that I had put in place to try to address that tendency in myself to always be doing and never be being actually got eroded. And for me, part of that narrative is also about how things have changed at church. And so we've taken church online via Zoom. And because I was the only person in church who was used to using Zoom, that's something I've been I've been leading. And so actually where, although I was very active in terms of the worship life of our church, there were Sundays where I would just come and be. And that was important to me. Mm. And now pretty much, it's not quite true, but almost every Sunday I'm doing, as well as the whole issue that Zoom's all right but it ain't the same. But we've talked about that already. Let's not go back over it. Well, no, I think, so, I mean, yeah, I think... so I think I, I think for me, that been something that would appear on the other side of the balance yeah. sheet. But I think you're right. It's about recognising what has this... That, that, that I think, is why the, the stop, start, continue framework is so helpful, because it forces you to reflect on what has this done to me? What have I learned? What, how have things changed? And the same event, lockdown, might result in similar things, hurry, for example, appearing in different, ways. different you know, in, in opposite columns in different people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. And I think and I think your point actually really illustrates one of the things I've been sort of talking with my sort of community about. And that's all about the fact that actually lockdown has affected us all in very, very different ways. And you can't make any any assumptions. And this is another thing about giving people the benefit of the doubt. Because, you know, I have children, but actually they've got on with their homeschooling really well by themselves. And I haven't had to have too much input. Whereas I know that people with, with younger kids, it's been an absolute nightmare. They haven't yeah. been able to be left alone for even five minutes. It's been really, really difficult. And then there's people who are on their own. And that just being very isolated on their own is really 
really tough. So some of us have got not enough space. Some of us have got just too much space. And it's all really different. So we can't all go, okay, this is how you cope with lockdown. This is how you get out of lockdown. Because it's all completely different. And I do appreciate, you know, in the, in the day, I really suffer with a lack of space now. because Everybody's in my in my way when I'm normally here on my on my own doing my stuff. And it's irritating. And it's interesting what you said about the Zoom and being able to do things like sit in church services or sit in, you know, with groups of friends. Uh, One thing I was reading about, you know, this particular fatigue you get doing stuff virtually is you can't just be a a passive participant because you always feel like you're on or like the TV is watching you (laughs) in Mm. in a way. It's much harder just to sit and uh, and just you know look around and be distracted like we normally do in, in these sort of larger group meetings so there is that and it's just not the same I think certainly you know church online acts of worship online whatever your faith or if you join mindfulness groups or whatever if you're trying to do it online it is whatever people say it's, it's not the same some things I think are better online actually some types of conversation are better but I would think most things aren't and that's that's really difficult so we've done, we've done continue. I'm just conscious of the time, Jamie. What would you like to start? This is the stereotypical Jamie answer. So forgive me. Is going to start with, it um, depends. <laughs> <laughs> on the one hand, on the other. No, actually, no. Going in a different direction on that one. Oh. It, it's all about the people, isn't it? It's always all about the people for me. That All there is, is is the interaction and the conversation. I'd like us to start recognising our different characters at work. I'd like us to start recognising that because what's in my mind is that I'm assuming that for many of us in our professional lives, aspects of remote working are going to continue. That we're not going to be able to turn the clock back. It's not all going to go back to how it was. It may not even, if I'm really honest, hate it though I do, it may not be even be desirable to go back because certainly speaking as an NHS GP, it's not that 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 the old way of doing things was so wonderful. I may long for it now, but I wasn't rejoicing in it then. It was hard and difficult, wasn't it? So I think recognising the reality that some aspects of remote professional life are going to have to continue, we need to recognise that there are some people for whom that is just great news. I have colleagues for whom I think the loss of face-to-face consulting has actually been something they've been very happy about. And remote interactions with individuals is something that they prefer to the face-to-face, whether that's by telephone or by mail or by some form of video uh, interaction. But there are those of us for whom that has sucked the joy out of professional life. That what we love in our professional lives is actually seeing a series of other human beings walking through our professional life that we get to interact with and be nosy about. Uh, I guess a more appropriate word might be curious, but the truth is I'm just nosy. I like knowing lots about other people's lives. It's interesting. And that's much harder to do by remote interaction. And so there are some of us whose job satisfaction, you know, that the, the, the motivation hygiene stuff uh, about what are the positive things and what are the negative things, what's in, what's in credit, what's in debit inside our work lives. What remote interactions do is wipe out the credit column. 
And suddenly you're in a very different world professionally. And I think as those of us in, in any sense of leadership in our organizations, whether that's of a small team or whether it's of a, of a large organization, we need to recognize that the impact of that will be a very different environment for those we work with for our teams and for our employees. And we would do well to pay attention to who is thriving in this new environment and who is not, and how can we help them to thrive? Or perhaps how can we tailor the work so that those who are loving not being face-to-face -face do more remote, and those who are missing face-to-face -face do more face-to-face. -face. Mm -hmm. And we value that so that we help people to do what they are rather than living with something that they're not. Does that make sense? Yeah, that absolutely does. So if I could summarise, I think you're saying <laughs> you're going to start seeing people. <laughs> you're going to start seeing patients as soon as you can. And yeah, as, I really miss it. I yeah, really miss it. And as a leader in an organisation, actually doing a bit of an audit and finding out how people are best working and, and what people have found out that they enjoy doing, getting to carry yeah. on doing it like that and as much as possible try and we're all different right aren't we we are all completely different and that's why I guess in medicine some of us like being emergency physicians some of us like being GPs some of us like being palliative care doctors or surgeons and you get different types of lawyers accountants you know we all like working in different ways and yeah I guess a start for me would be work out what works what works for you what gives you joy in your work it's not just about efficiency it's not just about productivity it's about how you thrive in your day and one thing um, that you could do is keep a bit of a diary of your day and think about what gives you energy what doesn't give you energy and I, I know that when I've had some really good discussions with in, in group meetings I come out buzzing and then if I've spent an entire day just doing ad, basic admin that just sucks the life out of me but you know and if yeah. I've seen I've been doing some online circuit training I got the option last week of going to you know in, in someone's garden going and doing it there with you know five of us very socially distanced it's exactly the same class I jumped at it just because I know that, that gives me so much energy doing it with other people than doing it on my own in my in my garden so it's very individual but you, you need to know and the thing about what we do with our work you know we spend so much time at, at work that if things are changing in a way that really doesn't do it for you, then you've got some hard choices to make, really, I think. I think, mm. obviously, in the next sort of three to six months or even a year, things will be changing at work and, and things are going to be difficult, aren't they? Because everything has changed and we are going to be heading into a, a recession and there are some people that, that don't have jobs left and there's that uncertainty. So, so in, in some way, I think it might be just sort of riding out the next six, nine, 12 months. But along the way, collect data, collect data, work out what it is that, that gives you joy, that re-energizes you, work out what your strengths are, and then think about how can I craft my work and my life, my job moving forward. I think that's right. And I think also this in some ways is what one-to-ones, what appraisals should be about. I don't mean medical appraisals but staff appraisals and I I know for many people they are too curlingly awful and I you know it's not that I have always rejoiced in doing them but uh, I think this is what they should be for to be saying well you know what is it that you're what is it that you're thriving in so working it out for yourself 
but also encouraging those we work with and those who work for us, uh, those who are direct reports, helping them to work it out and to process it, to think, okay, what this is why I'm finding it hard and that's okay. And here's how we could adapt. And, you know, and maybe it's just going to be a case of saying, okay, let's just recognize that. Let's hold that. We'll touch base on it again in three months time. Because like you say, the, for some, it's just going to be a case of riding out the storm. But for others, it is going to be possible to adapt, to recognize. Even hearing your line manager, your boss say to you, yeah, I, I recognize that about you, Jamie. And that's something that we value. Hang in there. It's going to get better. And we'll think about it. It just makes you feel, oh, OK, I, I was noticed. I was seen. I was valued. I can move forward. So, yeah. Yeah. And if you are a line manager, you know, managing people, then think about how you can do that for your for your teams in, in appraisals, you know, do a post lockdown appraisal. We saying actually, let's just think about how you've been working and what's worked for you and what hasn't and what we can do going forwards. Now, mm. I know that lots of people are listening to this thinking, yeah, but my work's never in a million years going to do that. You know, I just, they're not going to do that. They can't even be bothered to do it, you know, once a year, let alone post lockdown. I would say if that's you, take control over what you can control and do it for yourself. Do your own self-appraisal. If no one's going to do that for you, you need to do it for yourself and work out what is it that's going to make you thrive. And the good mm. news, if you're listening to this and you're a GP, is that there are loads of different ways of working now and there's loads of different things you can do. If you're not in a position where you can really make a huge amount of changes in your job, maybe you're a medical doctor or you work for another organisation, actually, there are ways of crafting your job within what you're already doing, you know, with the same employer that, that, that will place your strengths more, that will be able to do more of what one thing that you enjoy and less of another thing. But actually, often waiting for someone else to do that for you and to suggest it isn't going to work you need to do it for yourself and in order to do it for yourself you need to know actually what do I want what do I want this to look like so you know I would say you know don't wait for someone to do it for you get on and do it yourself work out what it is that you love what you want to continue work out what it is that you don't want to don't you don't love you don't want to continue and there's a couple of tools actually that I can make available to listeners the first is the stop start continue toolkit or it's a checklist the stop start continue checklist which is basically a list of questions and some space for you to write down your answers just to analyze what's working about your life and your work so there's two different sections what, what do you want to stop what do you want to start what do you want to continue and there's some room for some action points there so do download that there's also a thrive week planner in which you can actually plan what you love your ideal week to look like, perhaps post-lockdown. Because until you, you do that for yourself, no one else is going to know what your ideal week is going to look like. So it's really worth mm. being intentional and planning that and doing that. So we'll make those two tools available. But Jamie, just to finish up, because we're getting out of time, what would your top tips be? If you could give sort of three top tips for people coming out of lockdown for the person who asked the question at the beginning of, you know, how do I continue with the stuff that's actually been beneficial during lockdown? What are your three top tips? Take time and write it down. Does that count as one or two? Uh, how, how many more have you got? <laughs> I'm writing them down. It, too easy too easy to let for you think about this stuff and it sort of drifts away take time yeah. write it down take this seriously and invest in it okay secondly collaborate so i think it's it's yeah it's team game isn't it so having a conversation with those around you whether that's family or work colleagues but collaborate so once you've written it down 
talk it out, talk it through. Yeah, what else? I think that'll probably do. Those would be my two top tips. I've got four. I wrote that four. Take the time to think about it. Write it down. Take it seriously and invest time to do that. Oh, that's the same as the first one, really, isn't it? And then collaborate, talk it through with someone. So you have. That's three top tips. Hey, we got yeah. there. And so my, t- my top tips are, you know, download the Stop, Start, Continue toolkit. You know, give yep. yourself some a structure to really think it through and don't wait for someone else to ask you what you want to do going forwards you need to actually make those changes for yourself and make suggestions and and think well could I do this instead of that and perhaps I could take the lead on this project rather than that project because you know this is where my my skills lie and I think my final top tip is just be kind to yourself as well I think we've all had quite high expectations of ourselves during lockdown and we maybe haven't reached all those expectations it's been tough, you know, we have been living through a crisis, you know, an mm. unprecedented crisis. So That word. That word, I don't know if you heard the recent episode of Dead Ringers, they talk about the word unprecedented. Anyway, worth, worth listening to the recent episode of Dead Ringers. But we've been living through a crisis, not a holiday or not a, just a hiatus. It, it's been a crisis. So, you know what, it's okay if things have been difficult and things are going to be a bit difficult for a while. Just accept that and give yourself permission to to be struggling. Then just don't get stuck in the struggle. And if you need to, get the help that you need to get. And I'm always talking about this, but, you know, if you're a doctor, there's the Health Practitioner Programme. Those of you who work in other organisations, there are often employee assistance services. There's lots of free counselling and coaching services out there at, at the moment as well. And if you'd like to, you know, contact me about any of this, do drop me a line. I can offer some one-to-one coaching. I have a a Beat Stress and Thrive course for healthcare professionals. So there's lots of things out there. So get the help that you need to get and don't struggle with this alone. And, and that might just be going for a walk with a friend and, and talking it through. That's often as good as anything else. So yep. I think we're out of time now, Jamie. Thank you so much. That's been a, a really interesting think about stopping and starting and continuing and lockdown and all that. So will, will you come back again? We need, we need you back more often on the podcast. Definitely. Brilliant. Okay, well, have a great day and thanks for being on. You too, Rachel. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please share it with your friends and colleagues. Please subscribe to my You Are Not A Frog email list and subscribe to the podcast. And if you have enjoyed it, then please leave me a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. So keep well, everyone. You're doing a great job. You got this.